Welcome to Cross of Gold, the podcast where two brothers, one a Christian in the political wilderness and the other a socialist in the spiritual wilderness, work to rediscover faith in each other, our communities, and the American experiment. We have begged and they have walked when our calamity came. We beg no longer, we defy them. You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. Hello and welcome back. This is your host Cyrus. I'm joined again by my brother Chase. Chase, what are we uh, what are we talking about today? Yeah, right on. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time right now, I'm the Christian brother. Cyrus is the socialist, and you heard us saying that we're in the wilderness. Uh, the last four years, last ten years for us both have driven us from conservative, just normal backgrounds, uh, uh, normalizing our, what our parents were, to I'm confused and Cyrus is a socialist. And COVID brought us back together, uh, moving in with our parents for a few months to figure out that we were on wildly different sides. So uh, we have been using this as an opportunity to explore each other and hopefully increase some, some brotherly love over time. Uh, and if anybody else wants to listen and join in on the, the, the brotherly love, we can, we can share it. Not um, explore each other's brotherly love too much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if, yeah, that's, that's a good summary, Chase. If I could uh, recommend anyone, if uh, you want to know more about like our actual foundations of our, of our beliefs, definitely check out those first three episodes. But beyond that, I think we're going to uh, kind of use that as a foundation to talk about the thing that everybody wants to talk about oh my gosh today the trump presidency and its look back what did it mean for you as a socialist what does it mean for me as a christian cyrus i've been like racking my brain to try to contextualize the last four years because you i'll come out and say it i was an early supporter of mr trump i was excited (laughs) and um and i actually remember that i remember that phone call i got from you and would you remember at the time thought we both had a similar political convictions, which was that very few politicians were fit to lick our boots. But um, I heard you calling me asking if I wanted to help set up a veterans for Trump Facebook page. Oh, Lord, help me. So so we got to <laughs> contextualize it because I know we're going to disagree a lot in the next 20, 30 minutes. So I, thinking about like, is there any experience that I've had that can sort of bring it together? I just think it's probably like the last time we were together at, at living together. It was my graduation trip. Mom and dad took us to um, to Kauai. You remember that? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the the best vacations we, we had for sure. I think so. I you know what? Uh, the particular story I'm thinking about is when we went on this boar hunt. Our dad knows this guy who knows knows these guys who had, you know, native rights to this land that the guy that AOL Time Warner owns. Bottom line is it's like the wettest place on earth. And we showed up at O'Dark 30 in the middle of nowhere. Mount Waialele, I think. Cyrus has got the memory. With these people we didn't know. And we started just trekking through this the rainforest until light. And then when it was light, then we started running through places. It was pouring on us. Um, yeah, because you were 18. So I must have been about, what, 13, maybe? Yeah, because five years. Yeah, five years younger. So. Oh, yeah. And so just to give you guys the quick scene, it's, you know, it, it's a rainforest. It's on and off rain. There were tons of dogs out there because we were hunting with dogs and knives. Dogs were searching for boars. 
Um, everyone had their head on a swivel. Cyrus and I didn't know what the heck was going to happen. And we didn't want to embarrass ourselves amongst all like, like these <laughs> native hunters. And so volatile emotions and Cyrus and I end up actually both killing a boar, which was pretty sweet. And that's got its own graphic story. We won't, you know, don't offend the, those that are I'm a know, vegetarian now. Yes, yeah, ours is a vegetarian now. Let's just say it like that. But yeah. you know what? That, that had to, nothing to do with it, of course. Do you remember what happened? And I'm, I'm setting all this up for the Trump presidency. But do you remember what happened after the boar hunt? Uh, from what I remember, we went. We we were lucky enough to get invited back to those people's houses. And then and we just started like eating and drinking, feasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they even uh they even snuck me a beer or two. Right. So put it this yeah. way: I'm 18. My dad's whatever he is, 20 years older. Cyrus is five years, 13. My dad and I got so drunk, Cyrus had to drive us back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Now, here's the final piece to the story. And this is why it's like a total extended metaphor for the Trump presidency. The next day, we go ziplining in like the middle of, you know, gorgeousness, God's creation. And Cyrus and I, well, I was so hungover <laughs> that I, I wasn't enjoying it. I was just trying to get through the day. I was zapped of my energy and beauty. And I had a great time. And I took that lesson to mean that once I was of the appropriate age, I should get hung over every time, <laughs> like every chance I can get. Yeah, well, so, you know, <laughs> wrong lessons were learned. I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say is that uh, that's kind of how I feel, man. Um, Trump presidency has left me with a hangover. I've had a lot of volatile emotions. I've been a big supporter of a few things he's done. And then like it cringed my teeth and hit my head on the wall for other things he's done. Well, you know, it's, I think it's funny you say that because even people who are, you know, very anti-Trump like myself, and I think I'm just as guilty of this as, as any, you know, uh, mainstream liberal of just getting my, my panties in a wad every single time he does something and he did something every day pretty much. And so, you know, it's even for them, it's like, you know, conservatives might get a kick out of Trump doing wild stuff because it owns the libs but libs in the same way get their jollies from every time trump does something horrible pointing out how horrible it is so you know i think everyone probably is going to feel that way uh we're starting to feel that way now that he's, he's banned from twitter and basically president name only so as as someone then who who initially voted for trump and then was more uncertain about him let's say in the second time around that's what do you think his legacy is? Yeah. Great question. And I'm going to speak from a personal perspective, my perspective and, and, and a little bit for Christians here. So I think he's got three, if I had to pick three, I think, and I'll start more positive and definitely go more negative. He, <laughs> I think he's going to have a legacy and hopefully have a legacy on other politicians of like, doing what he said he was going to do. One of the reasons that people would ever stick up for his personality or any aspect of it was that like, he wasn't a politician. He actually did stuff that he said he was going to do. Now, whether you agreed with it or not, like the wall or moving the capital uh, or our embassy to Jerusalem or actually, you know, putting some substantial legislative um, advancements for the black community or free trade as in redoing NAFTA or canceling TPP, like he did stuff that I didn't think he would have, or no, no one really expected. So that's like probably my first thing is so that while, while I will grant you that I think he did stuff I, to me, and I'd just like to hear your perspective on this a little bit too. Like uh, maybe, maybe we'll get into that later, but like from my perspective, and I think the perspective of a lot of people who appreciated seeing the system disrupted in some ways that like the main thrust of his, his 
candidacy for president in the first place was not so much about these like individual policies like the wall. Yes, people got fired up about it, but they got fired up about lock her up just as just the same. But it seemed like it was more about wanting to. I mean, did you feel at, at any level that he, you wanted him to burn the system down? Yeah, man. I, I, I so feel like that was what a lot of people felt. I, I won't jump back to why I voted for him and why I was such an early adopter of him. But the biggest reason for that was that he was the biggest middle finger to both party establishments. And he was a bit of a burn it down. One man political revolution, Donald Trump, at least his first election. Well, that's and, what he sold himself as. At least. Uh, that's why I bought him as. And um, and that kind of feeds into maybe maybe his second legacy point in my mind is that like it's like an us versus them thing. And I, I couch that as populism, like the rich versus the poor or just the people who run the system versus the people who don't. But kind of I think that's like a an us versus them legacy, like make America great again, whether it's like our fiscal well-being over some of our allies or even like American jobs and manufacturing. Right. Uh, I know there's some debate about whether he actually brought them back. And a quick point on that, we were looking into this. Trump's actual manufacturing jobs increase prior to the pandemic was about 450,000, um, which happens to be about the same number of what Obama did um, as far as new manufacturing jobs. Uh, again, Obama inherited a recession, but we'll, we'll see how the U.S. I'd be curious also to see how many jobs left during that time. But yeah, it, it, like, it's tough. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, he definitely made it a platform of himself to say, like, hey, American manufacturing, yeah. which significantly impacts inner city blacks and rural whites. And so I was like, you know what? OK, this guy's he, he gets it that the the people who have been misled inner city blacks and rural whites have been just getting sold a line that's against their economic interests. So that's probably the second point. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I, I think, you know, we'll go into it a little bit more about whether or not he was as successful as a pl- political revolution, because I, I would be more on the side that he wasn't. But but I want to hear more about first why, you know, what more you think about his legacy. Yeah. OK, so final point here, then. Thank you. It's what he did or what happened to Christians. And in our third discussion, I laid out five different types of Christian voter. And I think it's fair to say he's probably the biggest wedge in the Christian voting block since Reagan. And it certainly isn't being talked about right now. You've got, you know, pro-Trumpers, you've got never-Trumpers who believe that we should really be trying to advance the same biblical worldview and that it's good for our country and Western civilization. And you've got even some Christians that have like largely thrown up their hands to politics, have said, I'll vote or I won't vote, but I need to start really getting back to to, to Jesus. And I'm going to use maybe one particular issue here as an example um, of like how he's confused me and it might end up being good long-term and that's abortion. And I'm not going to make too many statements on the topic, but like he had gotten um, gold-plated as the most pro-life president ever. And first one to even attend um, an anti-abortion rally. And, you know, it's, it's while I've wrestled with that, I'm like, okay, I've had, I had to really hit the books and look and research and go, well, okay, how much was he helping pro-life or, or, you know, uh, babies be born and, you know, come to find out that, man, most abortions happen when economic uh, conditions are really bad or worsening. And we can prevent a lot of those by increasing, increasing access to healthcare. So while I do think, you know, in in a just system, it wouldn't be uh, allowed and it should be illegal. I also understand there's a lot of other things we could do that he didn't do like a new healthcare plan 
to actually prevent those and be more pragmatic. So he's, he's, he's confused me, man. Well, I mean, I think it's fair. It's fair for you to feel confused because from my perspective, as someone who's sort of outside both, I would say the major political framework and the major ideological frameworks of the country, I, I see Trump's presidency and I look at him as someone who represented, well, so most Americans think that America is like fundamentally good, you know, it, or at least at least want to believe that at, at some some part deep fundamental level of them. They believe that America is fundamentally, fundamentally That's a good. great discussion for a different time. You know, Christian versus socialists view of American history and American founding. But keep going. Sure, sure. But what just yeah, like that we can get into that later. But what I mean is, like, if you believe that, then you also have to see like that America, even if you believe it's fundamentally good, it has to do bad things in order to to uh, continue that goodness. The I mean, no goodness country's perfect. Country. No person's perfect. No institution. I think everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we so I think mo- much more than other countries like have a moral judgment on the nation as a whole. We look at us as a good country. And if you're if you're stuck between these two things and you're looking at, you know, thinking something's fundamentally good, but that it has to do bad things, eventually you're going to start to take those bad things and make them into virtues. Because if they serve the greater good, then they must be good overall. And so to me, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's that's sort of my general perspective on Trump, because I I look at him as someone who like could have been a one man political revolution. I, I mean, I don't know if he could have actually, but he like uh, someone else might have been able to with the same tools that he had, but he never really did. You know, I, I look at his the start where he started as talking about non-intervention in foreign wars and keeping taking our boys home and reducing the size of our military. And I see that we have the largest budget and well, you know, history that's a a bit of a double-edged sword just for the record i mean one he created space force and yes he increased the investment in the military but he did get us out of a lot of middle east entanglements which to a lot of our friends and you know uh, foreign policy intellectuals is not a good thing or uh, who knows and he did have a lot of allies whether or not you know some of those things are actually we actually got us out of i mean just right now in iran you know you just had Pompeo meeting with the head of Mossad, them saying that the Houthis are the the Houthis are uh, you know a terrorist organization, fully on the side of Saudi Arabia. Like they've definitely like maybe we haven't fought in any major wars, but we've definitely sowed the seeds for future conflict in a lot of places. Iran particularly, which you know I think should terrify anyone. Uh, you know you you're in the military, you know about a uh, Operation or Millennium, wasn't that what it was called? The war game about against iran where we got waxed i i don't but either way no just that i think you know like hillary clinton was i'm not yeah i didn't vote for hillary clinton and i didn't support her um in 2016 because it just it seemed to me as a continuation of the same stale system that was going to bring us down eventually that was going to collapse under its own weight and for i think for them you know like when obama won his second term he said that he broke the fever of you know reactionary conservatism as he saw it oh baby little did he know my goodness. yeah exactly just goes to show how far-sighted that guy was <laughs> well but, uh, <laughs> one note on obama and and maybe the cause of trump a little bit but i want to get to sort of your perspective on, on his legacy and 
why you didn't vote for him. And that was just this idea that um, I do think part of what created a Trump was a vacuum. Right. And like a lot of this, whether I have it, whether all Americans have it, I own a part of this and I'm confused about how Christian this is. So maybe it's a different conversation later. But, you know, an example is what happened in, in uh, Libya. We had a lead diplomat ambassador killed and there was no retribution on that country. Like Americans sort of in our cultural DNA have a bloodlust of like, yo, if you kill one of our ambassadors, we should be hanging people in the streets. I'm not saying like um, the innocent people, but I just think that so when Trump shows up with a make America great again, we're not going to get him like punked. That's a bit of a, you know, hey, we need like a re-justification or, or something. D- does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's sort of what I was was trying to get to earlier is this idea of Trump not playing to the better angels of our nature, but to the darker demons of our nature. Uh, like, yeah, that might be true that Americans have that in their DNA. There are a lot of things we have in our DNA that are bad, all of us. And even then, you know, I, I don't know that, that that's even true. So what I, I think. Well, yeah, I was about to say, you better, you know, draw a red line around those statements because I'll use those for um, our conversation on enlightening our human conscious. But different well, what I'll say is that I didn't feel that way about Libya. What I felt about Libya was man, maybe these are the consequences of having a world-spanning empire that destroys governments and countries like we did in Libya. And that was Obama, you know, fair to say. So when I look at that, I see, you know, that not that those people, you know, that anyone deserves to die, but that there are consequences for having an empire. Okay. And I think right now we're about to see those consequences not just happen to us at uh, embassies worldwide or in the streets of Baghdad, but at home like we saw at the Capitol riot. Okay, so maybe you can establish a little bit of that and uh, get into sort of your um, a perspective of his legacy. So w- w- what do you mean by see more of that at home? And what do you think Trump is going to be sort of remembered for if those go together? Well, I mean, I think uh, we're having going to have dual memories of him. You know, there's no national cultural memory anymore. But I think for uh, his faithful, I think eventually he will be, he'll represent a massive disappointment. Um, I think that's beginning to take hold right now because at the end of the day, what they wanted him to do was burn it down. And it's become very clear that the system is still very much running at full speed. I mean, it certainly has its weaknesses and vulnerabilities, but I mean, the people in charge are the people that were in charge before Trump. They have their back in the steering wheel. So uh, as a socialist though, not, so not just a faithful. Yeah. So, well, yeah, as a socialist, like my memory of him will be someone who was a perfect tool for the establishment to keep any actual populism from ever taking root in the country or from taking root right now. That it enabled the Democratic Party to cast the option of of Donald Trump being reelected as too horrifying to possibly entertain uh, someone who might actually give someone our, our people anything during, you know, very difficult times. And for the Republican Party, he ended up being a useful fool. You know, he said he was going to drain the swamp, get all those politicians out of there uh, that, you know, the people who I mean, if Mitch McConnell isn't in, in control of the Republican Party, if you don't think that then I have a bridge to sell you, you know, and he was very much in control of the Republican Party before Trump. And he still is now. Uh, I mean, just look at what they've done to him. You know, these they're fake friends. Um, well, yeah, I mean, has, I think uh, the swamp was passed out already. The swamp as soon as he stopped being useful. 
had a lot longer or a broader context, not just elected officials, but those in, you know, three letter agencies in different departments that sort of hindered his agenda. I think he blamed a lot of the failures or the, the setbacks in the administration due to the swamp. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's undeniably true that there is a swamp and that there is a deep state. Like, I think if if anything, like I also see that as being unfortunate because he talked about things that are essentially true, that there are, you know, cohorts in our government who are operating for interests that are not in the national interest. Like that's yeah. that much is definitely I'll clear, highlight. But unfortunately, he led that in a direction that was. I think a fool's errand. Something you said is a fear of mine, and this is a, a word to all Christians that, you know, what um, are still sort of maybe where I was blanket believing that all capitalism, unfettered capitalism, more, re- more decreased regulation is good. I-, I have a fear that our reaction to Trump, at least politically, will be to go back to a libertarian economic model that was not good and is not good for vast majorities uh, parts of the country. That just gets the wealthier, wealthier, it increase, increases corporate welfare. And so uh, the parts that Trump at least espoused, like trying to bring back manufacturing jobs or these sorts of things, I thought were actually not just good sense, but actually had, from my perspective, a bit of a heart to it. I'm not saying he had a heart. I'm just saying that, like, you know, we should be we, we can do other things economically for our people. Therefore, we should. And it seemed like Trump was the first one Republican or Democrat in decades to, to take up that mantle. Yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, the effort was in principle, like, you know, like the idea of bringing back manufacturing jobs and not selling out our working class. Like, yeah, that's good. Bernie Sanders supported that. He was he was against NAFTA and, and may very much for very much the same. Reason Bernie Sanders was a socialist, Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think what the difference between a Sanders and a Trump take is on, on something like trade is is Sanders does understand that the system capitalism as it's currently structured the way it's currently running it cannot go back to the model of America being a manufacturing powerhouse for for a lot of reasons largely because we wouldn't have anyone to sell anything to uh, it'd be too expensive and our lives are financed by cheap pro- cheaply produced consumer goods in the global south uh, so. I think, yeah, you, you can't really put the, the toothpaste back in the tube. It's already been squirted out on the counter. Now it's a question of, well, can we clean the counter or do we need to remodel? And I, I think reject your false dichotomy, but we'll dig <laughs> into that later. Yeah, well, you know, you'd be surprised how deeply that toothpaste gets in the grass. But we won't take this metaphor any further. <laughs> you have a problem that I made you brush your teeth when we shared the same bathroom. That's what this is. Yeah, I still, I still very much hold that against you. No, how many no. cavities do you have? That's... That's, you know, that's nobody's business. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say zero and you owe me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to say. I, I, uh, I don't pay must attention have to asinine details about like that. Fair um, enough. Cyrus, one of the things that we said we were going to do if we kept these things going or how long as they even they do go is try to encourage each other to not just get lost in the concepts, not to get lost in the, the horse trading of ideas, but to really become better and, and love each other better and love other people better. Because that's one thing that I mentioned is that like the national political scene is so polarized. I have this hangover. And I can't even appreciate beauty. I, you know, I'm not appreciating even our American system that was fought and died for and uh, served for. So I need you and I, I need to one, keep me accountable, but encourage like 
I got to love people, man, more per- personally, just because my time, effort, and energy should not be getting sucked up into being frustrated about what a particular news story says, but it should be, man, praying for the people I'm going to be a Bible study with tonight and, um, and, and loving my people at work. So can we, can we make a commitment to do something like that and then hold each other accountable? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I feel like for me, you know, that's, that is the reason my interests have like uh, largely strayed from national politics is because I look at the scene and I, I see, you know, Trump, that's, it's clearly not a politics of love. It's a politics of, of rage and whether that rage is justified or not um, in some ways or not. Like it's, it's not the politics I want to be a part of. And I look across the aisle and, and this is part of the reason I, mean, I, you saw me, you were living with me during the months after Bernie Sanders dropped out. I fucking, I, Pardon my language. Good show. Leave that my out, goodness. Um, I cried when, when uh, during that point after Bernie Sanders dropped out because it was a politics of love. And I saw the alternative of this Biden presidency or looming potential presidency that's, you know, that, that it was also a politics of maybe not rage, but punishment. It was it was neither neither candidate represented a return to to values and politics of love. It was about punishing your enemies. Uh, it was about blaming other sides. Um, but without, you know, it's fine to blame things on, on certain people. There's people who deserve blame, but it's not fine to blame things on people and then do absolutely nothing to reverse the, the course of the things mm. that they've done. Well, um, and that is why I, you know, also feel like it's time to return back to the things that are in our immediate vicinity that we can affect with our, with our hands and our feet and our mouths in, in ways that are, are meaningful. I think that's, that's the point of this show. So I'm, I definitely, yeah, I think that so, that is something we both need to commit to. I've got a, f- a few ideas. I know some folks with COVID and like once one person gets it, the family gets it. So Samantha and I can pitch in and, and, and you know, drop some things off some meals to, to, to one or two of them, but I want to do something else, whether it's, um, yeah, I want to be praying for people like steadfastly because I think it matters. So I'm going to take some people, some meals for COVID. And by me, I mean, we, Samantha and I, and, uh, and be praying for people. If you have any other ideas, that's my commitment to you. And the next time we talk, you can ask me how it went. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, where where my community is insofar as there is one right now in the time of COVID, a place that I'm, I'm new to living in. Um, but it's, it's the people I work with. And Who? so Who at your work? Have, uh, your waiter, if people don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. A waiter at a uh, Southern food restaurant. who doesn't eat meat. So even if I had free meals, which I don't, I won't say the name of the restaurant. If they don't um, give you free meals. What kind of, oh. <laughs> Hey, it's 50% off while you're on shift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can you eat while you're on shift? How does that work? You know, if you just have a, if you have a free minute, I usually order the kids, the kids veggie burger. And then uh, add the free toppings on top. Yeah, not so. Southern hospitality, bro. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I can neither confirm nor deny. I can't wait to get to a, a table that you can wait on me. But back to this, or do you have somebody at work? You don't got to say their name, but I want to like, let's not just do it. Like who at work? Like, what yeah. Name? So, well, there's this, uh, there's this guy I've been uh, sort of, he's, he's an Iranian immigrant, pretty much only speaks Farsi with some, some limited broken English. Um, and from what I've gathered from talking to him, he doesn't live with anyone or with any family just here on his own. So I figure that must be a pretty, uh, pretty lonely existence. And, um, 
I'd been trying to reach out and learn more Farsi, but at this, I'm going to commit to trying to trying to learn a little bit more so we can, I can get to know him a little bit better. You've got a Google translate. That'll help. That'll help. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Take him some, uh, a mom's jam for anyone keeping track at home. Our mother is just starting her new business. God bless her jams and sauces. So take her one of those. Yeah. If we do have a plug, it's a uh, jam sessions. Idaho. Oh, yeah. what's up? Free advertising for mom. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's uh, some good intention to carry into. The okay. Next week. What's his name? Oh, you don't, I didn't, never mind. Don't tell me. I'll just ask about the dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. Fair enough. All right, dude. Well, um, you know what? Hey, listen, I love you. Um, I appreciate it. I got um, a couple things that I didn't quite see. Um, that you know what? Trump really was just a continuation of the swamp and, and maybe a beautiful distraction for the purpose of it. That I just hope, you know, whoever wins the nom next cycle, uh, you know, a, a Biden oh, on the left, obviously, maybe like a Marco Ruby on the right, we take, we get a little bit more populist policies um but we'll i think see. we're gonna see a lot of populist rhetoric probably from both sides but yeah it remains to be seen whether any of that will translate into uh, material consequences and i'm not holding my breath yep and you know what? we're cooking up a few other conversations at least planning for them looking ahead on the biden presidency starting a masculinity series and then uh we've got a bunch of interviews we're lining up so exciting all right cyrus light pivot man we're out of that uh, junk there. It's been a while. So it's last conversation since we talked. So just personal level, dude, what do you, uh, what's your free time? What, what are you doing for entertainment? What's, what's your, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit more mindful about the things I consume, although, you know, certainly not all, all the time. So I've been reading a book, uh, Republic for which it stands. That sounds patriotic. Yeah. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. No, it's a it's a history of uh, of the United States from the end of the Civil War through the Gilded Age. So I picked it up upon recommendation from uh, from actually Matt Christmas, and I uh, started reading it to gain a better understanding of sort of the time period that William William Jennings Bryan, you know, oh, the, there guy, we go. the namesake of this uh, of this podcast, kind of get a better understanding of the populist progressive movement and the beginnings of that in America. Um, yeah, and especially because I've the truth been, was tied in there. So I'd like to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, good read. It's, it's uh, pretty okay. gripping. It's a lot of information they don't they don't teach you in history. What about you? Oh golly, reading. Um, well, I'm working on finishing people's history because you've asked me to. So I'm a good three fifths the way through that. I just finished uh, a book called Family Driven Faith. Uh, we're expecting our first next month. So preparing to be a daddy. So I'm reading wow. Baby Wise with Samantha, uh, but I'm also I'm reading a book for uncles as well. Actually, oh, are you? Or you should write one. <laughs> yeah, how to uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. uncle unclehood uh, for idiots. How so. to unradicalize your children or your your nephew? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of got off into a, a C.S. Lewis kick. I just I also finished a reread Pilgrim's Progress. So he wrote sort of an anon to that, like a uh, Pilgrim's Regress. So I'm working through that, and that kicked me into also one of his sci-fi's, uh, Paralandra. It's the second of his third book series, and I just finished that too. It's a a book about what Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden would have been like on another planet if Christ had already come and died. So mm. it really made me examine evil because the devil's there. Abstract dude, that's he is. Yeah. So I, you know me, I'm 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 pretty hyper uh, yeah. filter of in, of inputs. So 
But uh, yeah, other than that, I've been listening to, I'll give a quick shout out, new album uh, by Viagra Boys. Uh, <laughs> you can, uh, look them up on YouTube, check out the Shrimp Sessions. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm, other than that, I've been... Uh, Thankfully, on- <laughs> I just take new song recommendations from you every 20 and then add it to my making dinner playlist. Yeah. There you so, go. Okay. Then we'll head on, on the Vi- Viagra boys note. Let's wrap it up. Um, one of the things Cyrus and I want to do is make a, a, a point for prayer. Um, I've really been getting into it. God's been developing me in that and thank God he has. So uh, we wanted to just highlight two prayer requests. Uh, these are our, uh, from our producers and editors. Um, we'd love to take any prayer requests and share the love, good energy and uh, align to the almighty. Uh, for anyone that would like it. And it doesn't even have to be a prayer request. It can be a, a needs request of some sort. We'd love to just share it with people. Alex, yeah, sister, we, we, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, just uh, I was going to be using that as an example of, you know, any anybody who feels like there's something that should be highlighted, uh, yeah. you know, in their life or someone close to them, uh, you know, send it our way. We'll, we'll try to make a note of it. That's right. And yeah, we want to uh, put the spotlight if we get any on good things. So Alex's sister, um, is got a teaching interview a little bit closer to home and we're excited about that. So um, if you have a spare moment, pray for Alex's sister. And then Andrew's brother looking to get a ranger school slot. He has been getting iced and continually done raw. So we're trying to get um, Andrew's brother in ranger school and Andrew's brother-in-law going back to, Oh, I got, maybe I got him mixed up. Andrew's brother-in-law is getting into ranger school. Andrew's brother it's going back on a seven-day first responder schedule. So just for the Lord to be with him and all of our first responders. Yeah, and Cyrus's brother is uh, showing early signs of insanity. So if you could send out a prayer request for that, that'd be great. Yeah, please. God, I need wisdom. That is a thing. Um, <laughs> all right, dude. For realsies, I love you. Let's talk again soon. Love you too, man. Let's talk soon. He is born, he acts, he dies. But principles are eternal. And this has been a contest over a principle. In this contest, brother has been arrayed against brother, father against son. It is for these that we speak. We do not come as aggressors. Our war is not a war of conquest. We are fighting in defense of our homes, our families, and posterity. This has been Cross Gold. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank... Sant Invictus for producing our intro and outro songs and uh, look forward to seeing you next time.